He was born a prince, yet he never got the opportunity to know his father. For you see, his father was killed when he was only five years old. War had broken out. And his father, ever faithful to defend God and country, was killed in the heat of the battle. In fact, it went so badly that the foreign invaders threatened to take over the land. And and the nurse that was assigned to look after the boy as the invaders were coming over the horizon snatched the boy up in her arms and ran with him. And that day, that little boy not only lost his father, but he lost his position as heir to the throne. You see, as his nurse ran with that little boy, she dropped him. And when he fell... He broke his arms and he broke his legs. And his legs were broken in a way where there was no ability to repair. Fatherless and now a paraplegic, the boy grew up depending on the the, the mercy of extended family to allow him a place to live. Growing up, knowing that he was unfit for the throne. David grieved when Jonathan died that day, along with his father Saul and his two brothers. They all fought in that raging battle with the Philistines. That day the invaders proved too much for the army Of Israel and Saul and all three potential heirs to the throne all died that day. David's grief over Jonathan was was deep. David had a lifelong connection with him that went all the way back into boyhood friendship. They were they were childhood playmates. They were Blood brothers, as, as David Solomon's, uh, David's son Solomon would say, they were the kind of friends that stick even closer than a brother. David and Jonathan had, had made a covenant to always be there for each other. Yet as we read in 1 Samuel 18... We see Jonathan gives his allegiance over to David. In fact, if you understand what's happening there, he gives his kingdom over to David as he took off his royal robe and put it on David and handed over his sword and his shield. In 1 Samuel 23... We read that David, that Jonathan made an oath to David that reinforces that idea that Jonathan would not be king. He would be second in the kingdom. 
Now, that wasn't because Jonathan wasn't fit. Jonathan proved himself in battle. He proved himself as being loyal to God. David and Jonathan both grew up with a love for God. And you know what? Jonathan saw God taking care of David and how God blessed him. And it became pretty obvious to Jonathan that David was God's next anointed. So David, because of his, I mean, Jonathan, because of his love for David, was willing to step back and let the Lord work through him. In 1 Samuel 20, we also read that David swears to honor Jonathan and his family by showing unfailing kindness like that of the Lord, to Jonathan and to his heirs for his whole life. And when Jonathan died, in his grief, I would bet that David wished he was there, wished he was in that battle. And it wouldn't surprise me if David didn't somehow grieve that maybe he had broken that covenant with Jonathan to always be there with them. There wasn't much time for grieving that day. David was still a hunted man with a, with a price on his head. Saul's commander, Abner, made Ishbosheth. Saul's fourth son, King, when he's still just a small boy, and David's life was still in jeopardy. And for the two years that, that Ishbosheth was, was king, that very short time, he was, he was able to evade Abner and evade Ishbosheth. After hearing that Ishbosheth had died, interesting thing happened. The hearts of the people of Israel turned to David. And David took over the throne. Yet there was still much to do in that war-torn, broken kingdom to put it back together. Not only were there the internal battles that had to happen... But also the Philistines, the Philistines and the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Edomites and the Arameans all had to be fended off. And as we know, we've, we've seen history, we've seen it. David made a good king. He was loyal to his friends. He was loyal to the people that God had put in his trust and he was loyal to God. David, the songwriting poet, over in 2 Samuel 1, he, he puts his grief for Jonathan and for Saul and his other sons to verse. In fact, um, it's called the lament of the bow. 
And David ordered all of the men of Israel to actually learn it. And and this verse that's here on the screen, this is the last verse of that song that David wrote. Honoring Jonathan. After things settled down, David's mind returned to his grief for losing his his blood brother. And he wondered, is there anyone left of Jonathan's family to whom I could show how much I loved and honored my closest friend? Have you ever had a friend like that? A friend that, that was closer than a sibling? A friend where you have shared meaningful life with and that you could go for months and perhaps even years without talking to them and yet when you do sit down to talk it was as if you were speaking all along. You just picked up right where you left off. A friend who you are devoted to, like David and Jonathan, were devoted to each other. Do you know that we look at Jesus as being that type of a friend? One who can be closer than a brother or a sister? One we can share our secrets with, anything that comes to mind, our triumphs and our struggles. A friend, um, a sibling, a family that will never leave us, always support us in just the right ways. Yet Jesus' love for us tops all of that. We read in John where Jesus said, Greater love hath no one to this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that day when Jesus went to the cross, we see Jesus being the perfect picture of that kind of love. Actually, A self-professed murderer tells us that that day Jesus transcended even that level of love. That day he went beyond what any other mortal man would ever do. And Paul writes in Romans 5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us who in their right mind would die for their enemies except one who is defined as an all-consuming kind of love. When I look at David, God's anointed, I I see a hint of Christ. I see a, a man who would give his life for a king who made 
David's life absolutely miserable. That was jealous of David. That became his enemy because of his envy. Yet David was still willing to fight for Saul. And in many instances, David gave of himself selflessly for Saul. And David didn't owe Saul anything. And yet, he set himself aside. Mephibosheth, Ziba replied, Mephibosheth, my master, is still alive. He's Jonathan's only son. He is crippled in both feet. In 2 Samuel 9, we read where where David asked if there's anyone left where he could honor Jonathan's memory. And Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was a great choice for he could do nothing to reciprocate. He had nothing to offer the king. It would be a perfect way for David to show his unconditional love to the one who had not earned it nor ever could. Now, it did take some convincing, yet Mephibosheth decided to test the king's offer of a new restored lease as a member of the royal family. In 2 Samuel 9, we read, Don't be afraid, David said to Mephibosheth, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Do you hear that? You remember in the ancient times you didn't sit down to eat with an enemy, but when you sat down to eat, you formed a bond. And David is saying, you will always sit at my table. Do you hear what he's doing? He's bringing him in to his family. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me. I don't know about you, but there are times I identify with Mephibosheth when I think about what the Lord has done for me in life and how he has restored me, how he has covered over my sin my guilt, and he treats me as part of his family, I sometimes wonder what he would see in a dead dog like me. Mephibosheth knew that he had nothing to offer, that he was undeserving of David's honor, and that he could never earn the favor of the king. And in a way... That's entirely the point. That day, 
David acted towards Mephibosheth like someone that he had known for a long time. That had lifted David up and had protected him. And had handed him victory after victory and even made David king. Not because of who David was, but because of who he is. One who loves us all. One who would and did die for every soul that he created. One who gave not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And from that day, all through the rest of his life, Mephibosheth was loyal to the king who had made him a prince again. Who selflessly allowed him to be in his royal family and did not treat him like a dead dog. But was to Mephibosheth not only God's anointed, but an earthly savior who took on the role of kinsman, redeemer. In 2 Samuel 19, Several years later, um, there's been a coup for David. Mephibosheth couldn't leave when David left and lost touch with the king. The king wasn't even, uh, even thought that perhaps maybe Mephibosheth had allied with Absalom who had, who had knocked him off the throne. Didn't know what to expect when he came back. But when he came back, He found Mephibosheth was still loyal to him. And in 2 Samuel 19, 28, we hear this from Mephibosheth as he is talking to David. He said, all of my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my Lord, the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who sit at your table. You made me a part of your family. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? You see, that day, Mephibosheth shows that he had a deep understanding of the meaning of grace. Do you, my friend, do you understand true grace? That there is one who sticks to you closer than a brother. In fact, he died for you while you were still his enemy. He loves you. Not because of who you are but because of who he is. He is king of kings and lord of lords.
want to take just a moment. If you would reach in your bulletin and pull out that communion card, I mean that connection card, communication card, and uh, everybody, pull it out and fill it out with me if you would, please. At least, at minimum, put down your name and your email. I'm going to fill mine out right now. If you're a first-time guest, uh, we have a gift for you. If you want to mark that on your card, you want to fill it out, there's a table out here with a red tablecloth on it. There's a couple of books there. They're free to you. Take it. There's also a couple of um, uh, coffee mugs. If you'd like one of those, please take one of those as well. Um, I think you'll enjoy reading that book by J. Warner Wallace. It's a very interesting look at history uh, through the eyes of a uh, seasoned retired detective. And looking back and seeing if through history uh, there can be proved that Jesus died and how all of that unfolded without relying on the Bible, but just looking at history. It's a very interesting, interesting read. I'd like for you to take a copy of that home with you today. On the back side of the card, there's a memory verse from today. Uh, there's a section of scripture to read for next week as we're continuing to Go through this series of Rise Above, talking about David, um, talking about his low points and his high points, things that we can see that we can uh, glean from there. Also, there's a section on the other side that is, um, if you need more information, if you like more information, you want to know what it means to be a Christian, you want to... You want to, you're at the point you'd like to be baptized, you know, I'd like for you to mark that, that they will get to me and I will contact you, somebody will contact you. A couple of things to sign up for. Uh, Also, uh, I I want you to drop this in the communion, uh, the um, offering bags as they come by, which will happen during our last song here in just a minute. Um, Also today, we're taking up a special love offering. Uh, If you'd like to give a love offering to help with the baker's transportation, um, Lynette is in a specialty hospital up in Grand Rapids. Bob is here. Bob is doing very well, not at a point where he can drive. Uh, He is still uh, driving a wheelchair for the most part, uh, but doing very well, and Phyllis is here. I know several of y'all have volunteered to help take them uh, up to Grand Rapids to see Lynette when, when the need arises. Thank you for that. This special offering is to help with that gas. If anybody would like to have the help, we're going to have some gas cards available for that person as they they, uh, take them up and return. If you would take one of those envelopes that's in the pew rack in front of you and write uh, Baker Transport on there, and uh, it will go to that fund. Or if you're writing a check, just put Baker Transport on that check and it will go into that fund. And uh, very much appreciate how you guys have been praying. In fact, Phyllis, Phyllis, I know you're watching. I don't want to embarrass you too much, but Phyllis was filled with tears as she talked about how there was such an outpouring from the people of God praying for them, not just here, but in multiple states as Lynette and Bob were going through those first seven, eight weeks of um, after the accident. And she said she felt those prayers and she knows those prayers really, really helped 
move them through. Bob echoed that. So thank you and keep that going. That day when when Jesus died on the cross, Houston, I seem to have lost control. If you'd go to the next slide for me, I'd appreciate it. Uh, That day when Jesus died on that Roman cross, the King of Kings issued an open invitation to invite you into his family, to eat at his table, and to share life with you. In fact, that's expressed in John's revelation where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. We will share life. He's willing to become part of our family as we become part of his family. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Lay down your sin and guilt at his feet. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. Be baptized into his family and he will change your life. Father God, Mephibosheth is such a small, minor character in the life of Israel and the life of of Saul, the life of Jonathan, even in the life of David, what we know about him. And yet, Father, you use this one who was thought to be unfit to show us long before you showed up in the flesh the kind of love that you have for all mankind. We thank you, Father, for expressing that love on the cross and by allowing us to be part of your royal family. As we meditate on this this week, Father, may your word encourage us to grow to be more and more like our Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing with me if you would, please.